0: Hi, welcome to the DC Yoga Podcast. This is Kim Weeks. I'm sitting in for Chris Parkinson, who started this podcast a couple of years ago. And I want to thank, first of all, the guys at the Hyrick House for hosting us in this crazy time, March the 16th, 2020, Um, specifically Molly and Matt, who's our intrepid sound engineer. I'm here with Susan Van Nice, who has been practicing yoga for a really long time and has so many interesting things to talk about, not just as a yoga teacher, but also as a teacher trainer, as a business owner, as a former or maybe still current karate practitioner and all (laughs) kinds of things under the sun. So Susan, we've known each other a long time and I just am so excited to dig right in with you. Um, Welcome to the DC Yoga Podcast and thanks so much for driving in. I'm sure you had tons of traffic coming in. Not so much today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, let's talk about the first uh, time you did yoga, your first yoga experience, your first yoga class. Well,
1: actually, it started before that. I start, In college, I was a computer science major, and I was a type A-A-A-A-A uh, computer science major, which meant that if I had a bug in my program and the sh- computer shut down for the night... I couldn't sleep. I would lie there in bed thinking about how I could fix the bug, all the different things I could do. I'd lie there for a while and then I'd figure out what I could do. And then I'd worry that I couldn't, I'd forget what I had thought about. So then I couldn't fall asleep because I was afraid I'd forget. And so it got to be a rather vicious cycle. And so at some point, my, one of my friends said, why don't you try a karate class? That will let you sleep. And I thought, okay. So I gave one a shot. It was fun, and I slept better than I'd slept in a while. So I took karate for a, a semester or so in college, and then when I graduated, first thing I did was try to find another karate class. Started karate, and it turned out it was not a good class. There was one woman in there when I started. There were no women when I left, and the guys didn't quite know what to do with just a woman, one woman in the class. So... I was getting discouraged, and my boss at the time said, "Hey, why don't you try a yoga class?" So off I went, and my first. And cl- your boss, you were working as a programmer then, right? That's correct. Uh-huh. I was working. Um, it's a really small company. We we're working out of a guy's house, uh, and he was blind, and he had taken uh, a yoga class somewhere along the way and thought it would be fun. So he suggested it, and I took it. And what's interesting is years later, when I went back to work for him, ten maybe twelve years later, he went and took classes at Sun and Moon for a while.
0: So oh, the circle came around. Arlington,
1: great. Yeah. Yeah. So the circle came around. So my first class was with Fairfax County. Uh, I think it was the rec system with Krista Hardity. Oh. Uh-huh. and she retired right after that class. That was in 1989. Oh wow! And, yeah, your first yoga class, but, 1989.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look at you, <laughs> your 31st anniversary. That's, that's Is that right? right? That's, that's right. Already. I don't know all the years at this point.
1: Yeah, it's about. It's, it was spring, oh, no. so we're getting there. It's yeah, a lo- it's yeah. been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And unfortunately, Krista only taught for that one session, wow. and then she retired. So I started going to other places in the county. And then I, and I was living in Alexandria at the time, and I heard about Nancy Ford Cone's studio at her house. So I went and took classes with her for a couple of years. And then I changed jobs and moved. Uh, my job moved to Fairfax, and so I moved to Reston. And uh, so I was looking for a yoga class, and one of my friends said, hey, uh, they have these free classes at the Health
0: Advantage. Why don't you come with me? Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) So not to fast forward, and I don't, don't, let's make everyone wait, but Uh I didn't know that you wound up as a student at the place you ultimately bought or took over. That's okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So One of the things that I loved about karate is it wasn't just moving. It was there's a reason for the movement. You turned your arm a certain way to block or you moved in a certain way so that somebody could move by you. So it wasn't just the movement, but there was the logic behind the movement. So it kept my mind engaged as well as the body. And that was one thing that I hadn't really run into in yoga. It was a lot of movement and it was breathing and it was focus, but that focus was not really connected to the movements of the body. And so I took the first class with Betsy Downing, who was the founder mm-hmm. of the Health Advantage Yoga Center. And mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the class, we were doing some standing poses. She said, okay, you turn your foot this way because it protects your knee. And it was like this light bulb went off. It's like, oh, how cool is that? There's actually actual reason behind this. I got to do more of this. And wow. so even though I had been doing yoga for five years at that point, I started over again in Yoga One and then took, took classes from there.
0: That's so, amazing. Yeah. So you'd been doing yoga at that point for five years and had been probably taught by some teachers. I'm just guessing here. They'd given you some reasons for doing it, but it wasn't like, a, are you saying like a comprehensive look, like a one action after the next gave you the real reason to move like karate? And it was Betsy that really kind of like That's the blame. That's yeah, like Turned one teacher, on.
1: we would do, she would open up Light on Yoga and one book, and she did, uh, which is BKI Iyengar's Master yeah. Asana book. She'd say, let's figure out how to do that. And we would try to figure it out. And I learned how to do all sorts of poses in crazy ways that I would never do now, knowing how the body works a lot better. <laughs> um, another teacher I had, we'd you know, explore how the two sides of the body were different one week, and then the next week she'd walk in and say, what are you doing? You guys, the the body should work the same on both sides. So it was this oh, random kind of mix of stuff. Yeah,
0: that's so interesting. And so Betsy, in her with her training at that time, which was Anusara, right? No, it was still no. Iyengar. This oh, was the Aingar. early
1: '90s, so this is about '94. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So she was taking classes with Carolyn Bloomley and John Schumacher yeah. at Unity Woods. Yeah,
0: and so she was from through them essentially as a student learning why you turn your Toes in one direction to protect your knee, for example, and that's what got you. So what happened after that? You were five years. You went back to a level one, went to beginner's mind. Which don't you do that every once in a while? Still, I try to. Yeah, I really try too. to. You know, like at least every few years, I'm like, you know, I just want to go back into a level one class and be a beginner again. And well, tonight I'm teaching, you know, my very first Zoom yoga class. Yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the first time I've done it, and I, you know, I, I, I want. Well, anyway, I hope that I have the chance to take one of those classes this week to be a beginner in that too. So it's just interesting how many different ways we can be beginners. So there you were, Betsy, you rewound yourself to the beginning, learned all these things. And what happened after that?
1: Well, there are a couple things. So first, um, I took the beginning level one class, and I realized that I had no flexibility at all. So Mm. that forced me to actually start practicing at home, because now I was really interested. Yeah. So for the first time, I was practicing at home. The other thing that happened was I was burning out my computer job. I was young and naive and didn't realize the project I was on was doomed to fail.
0: Um, And so I worked... This is the 90s. This is the 90s.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yep and i didn't know any better so i was bound to determine it was going to work right and uh, right. I, it didn't but i came close but so what i would do is i was now i had this yoga class once a week so i'd go to work i'd go to my yoga class and then i'd go back to work again but i at least had that yoga class and it was a good mental break and yeah. it, at that point sleeping wasn't a problem because i'd just go home and pass out but um when i started to, i watched the first level one class and then um, from there we had I went to level two and I was in Betsy's class again and I started watching I was sitting in the back because I knew the poses I just didn't know the alignment of the poses mm. and one week she taught uh, Bhujangasana cobra pose and then the next week she taught it again and she used the details she'd used the previous week and then added to it and it was like oh another whole another light bulb went off that she yeah. was actually trying to teach us rather right. than just do the, do the poses themselves right. and so that then got me into the game of playing with sequencing Right. Because I would watch the class and try to figure out what pose we were getting to, since I already knew the poses we were doing. Right. So she
0: let you watch the classes? Is that what you said? No, I was actually oh, taking, taking them. them, but 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 beginning to observe like a teacher is what I'm hearing you exactly, say. Uh-huh. Exactly,
1: exactly. Because I wanted to figure out how it all worked.
0: Yeah, totally. And just so, like the
1: programmer that you are. Exactly. <laughs> that part of the brain did not go away. Yeah, well, <laughs> good. Doesn't. Thank goodness for all of us. Yes. Yes. And so. About, and so I completely burned out on my job. Mm. And uh, I was working, I don't know, 90, no, more than 90, probably close to 100 hours a week sometimes. It was just incredible. And at some point, I maxed out my leave, and I also maxed out all the comp time I could have. So they forced me to go on a trip. So some of my friends were going rafting down the Grand Canyon. So I thought, sure, I'll go. What the heck? And about halfway through the trip, it was a 16-day trip, I was standing on a boulder, and it went out from underneath me and i fell down put my arms up to protect my head and my elbow hit my sunglasses and i broke my nose and then i dislocated and broke my ring finger on my right hand and jammed three fingers on my left hand
0: oh, no. so
1: that was the end of paddling because yeah. i couldn't do anything oh my so yeah i came out of the trip with two bandaged hands and two really big black eyes but i had seven- that sounds like a good vacation <laughs> it was a lot of fun yeah. So I went um, so I had seven days to sit in a raft and do nothing, wow. forced to think uh, and I, the first couple of days I admired the scenery and was kind of ticked off i couldn 't paddle, yeah. uh, but then after that, I realized i didn 't want to go home, and I really didn 't want to go home and trace it back to i didn 't want to go back to work, which makes wow. sense, and so I determined there that i couldn 't keep programming because I figured if I continued to program, I would then be put in charge of a project again, I could go through that same cycle again. Didn't want to do that. Find yourself on
0: a boulder somewhere in the West and you (laughs) didn't need to break your nose again. Yes, I do not want to do that ever
1: again. That was kind of awful. So um, went home home and announced that I would stay through the end of the project, but then I was going to quit. And then I became a consultant. And then I thought that would give me more time to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So worked on a couple jobs. And really the one consistent thing that I had was yoga. And so when Betsy did teacher training in 2000, no, 1997, I mm. took that with the full intention of starting to teach and thought maybe I could transition into teaching over time as well as do programming just to support myself. Uh, so I, I finished that, I taught for her, and then also got hired by Bob Glickstein, who owned the Yoga Center of Columbia, which is now owned by Kathy Donnelly. Right. So I taught classes there, I taught classes at Health Advantage, and also taught at a local gym for just a little while. This is late 90s at this point. This is 97, 98. Uh-huh. And then by 99, Betsy announced she was leaving. She was going to move to Florida and was planning to move, use, run the studio from Florida. And at this point, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I just couldn't figure out how to make yoga work and actually pay my rent. Right. And so the question
0: is <laughs> still asked by every yoga teacher today. Exactly. <laughs>
1: oh my. So she tried running it, and it, it was a fairly large studio at that point, and it was awfully hard for her to run it from Florida and yeah. run a teacher training program, all the things that were required. So in the summer of 2000, I approached her about buying it from her. And that was in August, and then in January, January second, two thousand one, I bought
0: the studio. Oh my gosh! So that that's was amazing. that was it. <laughs> what a path from yeah. nineteen eighty nine, no, nineteen ninety five or four. Or so you stepped into Health Advantage, yes. and then six years later, bought it from her. Yes, yes. So I, I, I. Okay, that's amazing. So you took it over, and here you are. I mean, everything I've heard so far, just to put like a punctuation mark on it, I guess, is that these internal mind body connections and you know if I may logical benefits that you saw from karate like Betsy created the spark inside of you um, that combined all these disparate effects that you'd seen doing yoga prior to that and then you I, I really this question about the breath is coming up for me big time. So I want to ask about that in a second. But as we get to 2001, when you buy the studio, you've got this so much accumulated knowledge, not just like how systems work, which as you and I have discussed many times is like what you have to have to run a good business. You have to build your systems or else the business isn't going to work. And but then also you're this yoga student and you're like a true yoga teacher because you've been in these classes before you even knew it, observing them as a teacher. So the whole thing is a really amazing story. But can I ask a question about the breath before we go to business, sure. the business of the breath? Did, the karate, did, did karate use a lot of breath that you then started like working into your yoga? Or was yoga the first place that you really started understanding the connection between the body and the breath?
1: We did it a little bit in karate. At the end of a strike, there's usually an exhalation out, Mm -hmm. and so it was there, but uh, honestly, I was really too young to appreciate the breath. Yeah, I was too busy just trying to move, and I was more interested in the focus, yeah. and because if I could focus, it would get my head out of everything else. Right, the and focus so it was yes. oh, cool. It was the focus. So, I, you know, a lot of people come for many things. I came for sleep, but really, it was mm-hmm. the, it was giving my mind something else to focus on, and yeah. that was my that was it. And then, over time, as I've become older and a little little calmer, uh, mm-hmm. I've now gotten more interested in the breath and mm-hmm. meditation, but it's taken it's taken age for me to really appreciate that.
0: That is so interesting. Yeah, that's what I was kind of curious to know, and it's such a beautiful way of describing how, well, you've already done it, and I'm sure you'll do it more as the podcast goes on, but describing the phases of your experience, you know, not just with yoga, but with life, um, which then leads me to 2001, January 2nd, or whatever. You yeah. got Health Advantage. <laughs> <laughs> and you've taken over a yoga business at, by the way, a really good time. I mean, impeccable timing, right? I got really lucky. Yeah. <laughs> really, so really yeah. So tell me, talk to me about anything with regard to that. What was that like?
1: Well, it was it was like being hit by a fire hose. Oh, my God. Um, I know. <clears throat> Betsy had, really, had a very well-organized business, and I had a fantastic office manager and a really good staff. And the office manager stayed with me for... Gosh, 12, another 12, 14 years. What? So she was That's a fantastic so, office manager, Liz Wright. Yeah. And then um, the rest of the staff was also good, which was helpful because, of course, I had the mortgage on my house. And then I had the loan I had taken out for the business. And ah, so mm, I kept mm. my programming job for. Mm. A year and a half and was t- was working in Columbia, Maryland, taught at Columbia, Maryland, kept all my yoga classes and then tried to run the studio. So I didn't sleep much that year. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the whole insomnia thing came back. Exactly. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, but it was more just it wasn't that I couldn't sleep. I didn't have time anymore. Yeah. And so yeah. the first year and a half was difficult, but I knew that was there was light at the end of the tunnel and as you said that was the right time um, uh, Rodney Yee appeared on Oprah and became the yoga stud muffin or something oh, like yeah. that she
0: touched his biceps there you, know, you that go that was like the, the iconic that moment yes. in time when everyone was like whoa
1: yes and we also had 9-11 yeah and 9/11 brought more people that decided they needed calm, they needed peace, mm-hmm. and so we saw a big change in what people thought of as yoga all of a sudden, and the people started seeing it as something that would be helpful to their lives rather than something that was just way out there and woo-woo. Because, like when I started, my parents thought I was joining a cult. So, yeah, that that um, that was when, I, at least for me, I thought saw the switch really starting to happen, and then of course it's continued from
0: there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so you have. Yeah. All of those things, all the things. It just, things were just, you know, I've been looking at a lot of graphs in the last couple of weeks with these steep upward curves of things I don't want to think about, but let's think about the upward curve of yoga growth through the early 2000s, which was major. Mm -hmm. So how did you handle the growth? You got through the initial, like, you increased your overhead you, you know, it's so funny. I have to say how similar our experiences are because I didn't buy a business, but I started a business at yes. exactly that time as a direct result of 9/11 mm-hmm. from a corporate career that had caused me insomnia. <laughs> 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 and you know, helped me realize like I wanted to lead a mission-driven life and um and help people transform their lives through this thing that had transformed mine. Mm-hmm. And, but I built it from the ground up, yes. which in some respects, when you've got a little schooner or a little like, you know, sailboat in the water, you can turn it around, whatever. But you kind of bought, you bought like a cruise ship or, you know, something. <laughs> you bought something a little bit bigger. Yes. And so, and that was on top of everything else, which you were also managing at that time. So at the end of the year and a half, the, when you're in the light, the tunnel was over. Yes. Things had really grown and you could see, you saw, all right, this is this can happen. Yes. What happened then?
1: Um, then I was finally able to quit the programming job, which was nice. And I also uh, moved away from Yoga Center of Columbia just because the hour drive each direction was getting too much, though always have loved that studio and just started to focus on my own. And so it became my full-time job. And instead of mm-hmm. just allowing things to continue on as I had needed to, I could now start taking control of the business side and change it to be more of a business. It wasn't that it wasn't business before, but with more of a business focus. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that we find. I, I mean, I maybe I'm wrong when I say this, but I do think that the early 2000s were a lot about the about business writ large. I mean, yes, it was just such an unprecedented expansion of the economy at that time. Mm-hmm an expansion of the business that we were in, which is yoga. Yes. And there were these like amazing first adopters basically like Betsy who got us there, who yes. had, you know, sort of created this market essentially mm-hmm. through these deep internal truths and teachings that they had gotten from their teachers, which I say constantly, I know we've talked about this before. It's such an, it's so interesting to reconcile the teachings of yoga with the, business of yoga i think yes. about this all the time with regard to unity woods and the Iyengars. you know mm-hmm. they are like they are an academic institution yes a hierarchical academic institution and they just don't care about the business side they mm-hmm. certainly don't care about the like customer experience you know how it this kind of co-creative thing that everyone on instagram now like snapping a pic of themselves <laughs> doing some warrior one i mean uh-huh. people i think that you know sort of students have turned into customers did you see that did you manage that or how did how did you manage that Uh, well as you decided this is how I'm going to run my business
1: well first I had to get over the sense of panic that if I made one wrong decision the whole thing was going to come crashing down and partially I also felt that I had um, an obligation to what Betsy had built to do it right and so that was part of it um, but it was really I just wanted people to be to come in, and I had it, it given so much to me that I wanted people to have that totally and so I wanted people to be happy, I wanted them to walk in happy to be there and even happier when they left yeah. and so I, and, the other, and also focus on the teachers because if they 're all happy, yeah. the business is going to take care it's of itself. The truth. So yeah, that, totally. that's the important part.
0: And that's what you did. So those are these major decisions, getting yes. over the anxiety that if you make a mistake, things are going to just like, they're like it's all yes. going to shut down. Yes. And then taking care of the most important pieces, which mm-hmm. is the customers, the people that are providing the service that create the customers. And I'm sure refining and making nearly perfect, since I've heard you talk about these things over the years, <laughs> the systems yes. that support the business and make sure it runs.
1: Exactly. And I'm fortunate that we have, I still, let's see, it's now, what? almost 20 years. So I've have at least, I think, four teachers that were there when I bought the studio that are still there.
0: Uh-huh. Four teachers. Yeah. So, oh my gosh.
1: So, yeah, they're still there. And one of, I think the fifth one just left, retired last last session or the session before. Oh, so that's yeah. amazing. So, yeah. The... I'm fortunate to have really, really good people.
0: Yeah. Loyal people, clearly. Yeah. Liz, you said, was there with you for 12 years. Yeah. That's
1: I think amazing. it was, maybe it was 15. Um, this is listening to this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was a long, long time, and yeah. really, she was the one who kept it going
0: when I was frantic, frantic that first year. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. So you got to, you know, do all the worrying, and she kind of held down, held down the fort, as mm-hmm. it were, and kept me in line. Did you think about doing this? We've yeah. always
1: done this. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. We should do that.
0: (laughs) That's great because then you basically are creating this best practices thing, like as you Mm -hmm. go, which you know everybody in small business like wishes they had. Yes. Yes. It sounds like you were very fortunate and like it was such a great experience. So what happened then with? Well, you tell me which way you want to go. My my brain goes to like the model itself and. You took care of all of the most important basics. You clearly mm-hmm. have happy teachers, people that have really enjoyed teaching. You know, Doug's coming in on Wednesday, Doug excellent. Keller. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, the guy uh-huh. on the marquee, basically. It's, uh-huh. and, my gosh, you had people like me who were driving 45 minutes each way on Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock to study with him for yep. a, years. 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 Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's still doing that, but I, that was um, such a great experience. And so... Um, what happened in the 2000s and even over this past decade? You want to bring us all the way to current day? Is that going too fast?
1: Uh, we've just kept going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in 2006, we expanded. We were doing so well that we expanded and took over the top floor of our building. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, 2008, uh, we had the recession and that's when everything changed, at least from what I, from my my vantage point, because so many people went out of work, and we were, to a certain extent, people's disposable income. Yeah. And so when people didn't have disposable income, we were one of the things that they had to cut out. At the same time, we had people. What
0: percentages do you or do you even want to talk about that as a business owner? Like, I'm just curious how you know what you saw in terms of a decrease, because you know the whole story of this region yes. is that it was a, it wasn't much of a contraction. It was sort of a Baby contra- it was a belt tightening, but it really wasn't
1: no, it really wasn't it was it was a big one and yeah. I honestly I don't if you'd ask me maybe six years ago I'd remember, but yeah. I just don't remember the numbers, but it was dramatic enough. Well. yes yeah. and we kind of had a couple of those contractions it was like every two years we had one at uh, 2008 2010 and then another fairly large one 2012 mm-hmm. and then everything is pretty much stabilized since then until maybe right now <laughs>
0: committed not to talking about the thing that shall not be named but it's almost it's like the elephant in the room it, it is
1: the coronavirus it is the right it is the coronavirus yes oh, i
0: mean so
1: we'll I yeah, have no we'll have idea to what to expect um because our studio like many others in the area we closed to, uh, today This is our day we are closed. And so I have no idea and no predictions about what will happen. So if you're listening to this many years from now,
0: I'll be interested to hear what happened. I know. It's the truth. Mm -hmm. My husband and I were discussing it this morning. You know, like he was like, well, I just it's all starting to kind of settle in. And I was like, God, my nervous system works so differently because I feel like it all settled in like almost as soon as... It's like as soon as I heard the libraries were closing, yeah. I thought, oh, OK. All right. So there's like no part of this like society that is going to keep well and also in combination with the Dow last week. I mean, they shut oh, yeah. it down again this morning. You know, um, there's just no nothing that nothing that's going to be operating the same way. And, mm-hmm. there, and all all of that not sameness is going to affect anything the definition of the word resume, yes. you know what resume means, is I think going to be up for question.
1: Exactly. So I have no idea. So we'll see what yeah. happens because in 2008, so many people quit their jobs or left their jobs or were laid off, and they thought, "I'll become a yoga teacher." And so all of a sudden, there were yoga teachers everywhere, and studios opening everywhere, and that's continued to grow. And so there's a gazillion yoga studios, there's a gazillion yoga teachers, there's a gazillion uh, teacher training programs. And yeah. so where we go after this is going to be interesting.
0: It is interesting. Well, that makes me think of um, one of your favorite topics, which is Yoga Alliance, <laughs> and all. And it makes me think too of like teacher trainings because yes. I still am a little unclear. I'd love to know about. Betsy had teacher trainings happening when you took the studio over, and you kept them going. And how did you manage that without her there? Did she come back and preside, or she
1: uh, she'd have run at least I know one teacher training before mine, and then mine was ninety seven, and it was so small it was mm. five hours for nine months, uh, so a total of forty five hours, which is, it compared to. What there had going on then that was a lot but still compared to what we have now it was nothing and uh that but it was at least a training and start and again i'd been watching the poses for years and i had been watching sequencing so for me it was just a way to tie it all into a bow and I, but before the training was over, I was already starting to teach at one of the local gyms. So I was, I was ready to go, but yeah. I was, and that's kind of how yeah. it
0: was at that time, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, develop this relationship with a teacher like Betsy, you go yes. to all of her classes, you learn, you go home and you practice. This is the thing I tell people a lot about, you know, having just recently become an Iyengar teacher because, mm-hmm. you know, that training, much like Betsy's way of teaching, was is predicated. I mean, on the fact that you're at home working through what your teacher has taught you that day. There's exactly. this, it's not even negotiable. If if you're not doing it, it's so obvious, and you know you have to be doing it in order to be able to really say anything about what it is that you're having the students do. So, so you are there. Taking a 45 hour training in 1997, which is like, (laughs) like mind blowing. Yes. Compared to how like strict and like kind of, you know, the parameters and the rules for the trainings now and all of the work that Yoga Alliance has gone through, for example, over the last few months to increase its standards. And the standards, as I recall, came out in 99 That was the time that they... So basically it was kind of in response to what they were beginning to see these trainings like yours happening and saying, okay... Let's just recommend some standards. Exactly.
1: And the, well, when I finished, I was so happy to be a yoga teacher. Yeah. I told everybody. And people were saying, oh, I took yoga at the gym. And what the gyms were doing at that point is there were a lot of aerobics instructors. They wanted to have gym classes or yoga classes. So what they would do is they would take their aerobics instructors and give them eight, maybe 16 hours of training and say, go. And so, no way. seriously. yeah. And so they were doing all these poses. 90s, baby. Yeah. And oh people God. were getting getting hurt and oh were they oh yeah because they just knew what poses they just said you know go do this pose go do that pose they knew nothing about sequencing they just learned the pose they weren't practicing they had really most of them had never taken a yoga class before and they were probably
0: thinking about it as stretches right exactly yeah so it's just like oh do like whatever forward fold and never mind if you have Lumbar dislocation, or you know, any type psionic. of injury. There's yeah, exactly uh, there's
1: no. Of course, there's no thought of injuries. So yeah, yeah. Oh so gosh. well. And interestingly, Nancy Ford Cone had been in Unity in Yoga, and so I actually have one of their shirts from the 90s, uh, which is that is the group that got together and helped form the Yoga Alliance.
0: It, did they form in 99? Is that what happened? I think that it was, they formed with the standards? Is that how it went?
1: Uh. It, uh my understanding is that they met at two Yoga Journal conferences and got together and start first realized there's a problem and then came up with the standards. And the Yoga Alliance was 99, 2000, somewhere yeah, around there.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So right. So basically, you had done 45 hours of training and we're already interested in becoming a teacher. And we've already we've discussed the way in which it did happen at that time yes. a lot. You know, where mm-hmm. cleave to the teacher work with the teacher, teach the teacher's classes when she's away, for example, or I'm not sure if that's how Betsy did it with you, but oh, I yeah. bet, yeah.
1: And also, uh, once I started teaching, I was observing her classes twice a week. Yeah, oh my gosh, how valuable yeah. is that? I still have all my notes from that. I should go back and look at them sometime. Yeah, but, totally, it'd be yeah. interesting to see what you were seeing, you know? Well, I wrote down every word she said. Did and you? so for a year or so, I really sounded a lot like her, and then yeah. over time, started developing my own. But when she moved, That was the end of my observations. That was it. All of a sudden, I was kind of cut off. How was that for you? How did that feel? It was really weird, but at the same time, it was probably a good thing for me because at that point, I really was ready to teach, but I got tossed in within a year. I was teaching more advanced classes because, again, there were not that many teachers and not that many people that were interested in doing the more advanced poses. Right. And so I was teaching a lot of that very, very quickly, more quickly than I probably should have been. But then again, our classes were nowhere near as advanced as they are now.
0: Right. So how how do you think that happened? How did classes get advanced to where they are now? Part of it
1: was, of course, in some ways, the
0: class only advances
1: as far as the teacher is advanced. And Betsy was doing a lot with John Schumacher. And that's in 97, just as I started teaching, uh, that's when Anyusara started.
0: Right, so, so okay, yeah. let's, yeah, tell me, let's talk about that. But, uh, yeah, you really came into the market. It's such an interesting time. There's just a lot of intersectionality, if you will, even before we use that as a word. So Anasara and Betsy was with John, and then found, uh, found the other John? <laughs>
1: exactly, she was, uh, if actually my one of my first workshops and my first workshop in unity woods was with john friend who mm. was was the founder of Anusara. and betsy had been thinking about going to india and then she ran and she, she went to a john friend workshop he was a junior senior teacher of some junior intermediate teacher at that point mm. and absolutely fell in love with the way he taught And he came to teach at her studio in 97, just as I was beginning to teach and was coming up with his idea of the loops and spirals. And for somebody who has the logical mindset, they were marvelous. They were absolutely amazing because the Iyengar system is built on a gazillion details. And over time, you learn the details and kind of build it into your own system. Anusara came at it from exactly the opposite direction. It gave you a system. And then you could add the details in. Totally. And so, for someone who is trying to figure it all out, that system gave me a way to understand how the body worked together um, and understand individual differences, which right. was also important. It, right. Not everybody is the same. And so, she, Betsy flipped the studio over to Anusara. So by the time I bought the studio, it was an Anusara studio.
0: Oh, got it. Oh, how, okay, an Anusara studio completely. We were one
1: of the first. And Whoa. then um, because that's the way we were going, I got my Anusara certification. So oh, I was okay. the 14th person certified in Anusara. Oh, wow. So I was there early on. Um, but as Anusara started going it started switching its focus. Instead of just being the alignment, at the beginning it was very laid back and there were a lot of senior
0: teachers. I was one of the very, very junior people. Senior teachers and what, what qualified a senior teacher at that time? Yeah,
1: <laughs> people with a lot of experience, a lot of teaching experience. Uh-huh. There was uh, Betsy, there's Susie Hurley of mm-hmm. Willow Street, JJ Gormley of um, uh, Sun and Moon, uh, Desiree Rumbaugh who had been a, a teaching. So all these people were in there. They were the ones who were there before me. And so I was one of the really, really junior ones who kind of wandered in in that first uh, set. And so there was so many people to learn from. But over time, uh, it started to switch because uh, I don't know what grief John's friend got, but it started to become adding emotional themes in, talking poetically. I still have a computer science brain. I do not do too well with speaking poetically. And every time I tried, it just... It was really sad. It was really, really awful. So you
0: tried. You tried to use that language.
1: I tried really hard, and... At one point, I thought I'll get a level one class. They've never seen me before. They have no preconceptions about me, and had them do one of the warrior poses. And we were doing that, and said something about standing courageously or joy or you know heroically or something. And somebody in the back of the room started to laugh. Oh no!
0: Oh, no.
1: And she laughed so hard she fell over. Oh my! <laughs> so gosh. then other people in the room turned around and they fell over. I oh thought, my god! You know this is a sign. This is not to be. This right. is really not to be at all.
0: Oh my gosh! So, so wow! Yeah, it's cool. That you had that feedback right there in the moment like oh, yeah. that's just not gonna work
1: no and I'm, i knew i sounded ridiculous and i had proof yeah, <laughs> this was not a good thing that's for interesting
0: me. this is early 2000s then
1: exactly mm-hmm. well early yeah and I, I kept trying and it just it didn't work and so i thought you know there's a point where you just have to be genuine and have to be yourself and so i continued with the loops and spirals followed all the rules except i just couldn't do that and over time, it, the system. When I did it, you turned into a video. John said you're certified and you're done. The system became much more intense, and the the way you got certified, I never I never followed it, but it was it was a huge deal. Mm. And at some point, someone turned me in. And, uh, so I, what? I got, that's how, that's the reason I was asked to resign in 2007.
0: Oh my gosh. And yeah. narked on you.
1: Somebody narked on me. What? Yeah.
0: And because you had, you weren't saying stand courageously in warrior or.
1: I wasn't doing classes with a theme. I had oh. physical themes and I could do, but I could not have that emotional theme and actually not have people start laughing.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. So you turned in your video, you. You'd been approved as a teacher by John. I was certified for 10 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait from nineteen
1: ninety seven to, to two thousand seven. Oh no, sorry. I was in the system for ten years. I was certified for six or seven years.
0: Oh my yeah. gosh! Oh right. So basically, you became an Anusara teacher in the same year after you bought the studio from Betsy, or had you become one before? Oh,
1: well, I, almost exactly a year before, I was doing the Anusara oh, test. Yeah. Uh, I see. When we had the turn of the century, because I remember watching the fireworks the while, Y2K. I was, yes. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, while I was yes, yeah. While I was while I was going over proofreading my test.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you were, had been a teacher for a year, bought this. Oh, my gosh. And then, and wow. And so had you stopped, like, going to the workshops and just kind of stopped studying? Well, you I know well? I, know, I see
1: had, I had it, seen it was changing. Um, we started go, they had a gathering every year you're expected to go to, and I could see it was becoming more, The people were not rushing the stage, but people were following John in a way that I thought was a way that I would not. And it became more and more cult-like to a certain extent in a way that I was not interested. So I'd go to these gatherings and sit back with a couple of friends and really not be part of the general mood. Uh, That being said, John is probably the most charismatic person I have ever met. And he was always kind to me, and I learned much from him, and I can't fault because he is the basis of me understanding how all the physical details work with the poses.
0: So, yeah, let's. I'm going to sort of like stop, drop, and roll on that for a second because what I hear you saying is that, like, Betsy, it's so interesting because, you know, Betsy gave you the reason for why to do yoga. Like, yes. I protect my knee when I turn my toes this way, and that was a spark. Yes. Then, as she shifted toward Anusara, uh-huh. you too saw this, like, codification of – the knowledge, because it was this inversion of the way they, it, it, it was an, an inversion, if you will, of the Iyengar system. Exactly. I mean, I have had, especially becoming trained as a certified, now a certified Iyengar yoga teacher. I was just thinking about this teacher. We got certified at the same time. And Uh she's a wonderful practitioner, really smart, really interesting. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of these teachers online right now because we're all online right now. Yes. And we were talking about going up for certification. It's, you know, becoming a certified Iyengar yoga teacher. She said, said, yeah, it's kind of like being certifiable (laughs) because you just go so crazy with the knowledge and all the things you may or may not have to know or be tested on. Mm -hmm. And it really is just looking at this broad field of data and not knowing where to value it, where to put it and how to emphasize it. So John and therefore, you know, Betsy were able to convey this like system to you, which was so meaningful and Mm -hmm. so interesting. And the and spirals are genius. They They really are. They really are. Mm -hmm. And so you kept teaching that way, but he was saying you don't really know where the emotional stuff came in, but it all, it's interesting talking to Joe Miller because yeah. he came in and was really giving similar information about how just things changed. Yes. And it just, there was a
1: yes a thing that
0: changed.
1: And I kept up with it because we still have people at our studio yeah. who were certified in his last workshop. One of John Friend's last workshops was in this area. And a lot of our people went. And people who had been to the workshop before. I'd ask them how it was, and they were like, oh, it was fine. It was typical John. The people who had never seen him before were horrified. They really could not figure it out. I ended up on the phone with one woman for two hours kind of talking her down afterwards about what was happening. When was this? What year do you remember? Uh, 2011, I think, because the system crashed in 2012. So I think it was right around November, December 2011. And so you were talking her down off the ledge. Why? She was so upset by this workshop, and yeah. how can you have been part of this? It's like, that stuff wasn't happening when yeah, I was there. Exactly. So there's just this, this change, this sort of yeah. darkness came to that And people, were, people who had seen him over the years said, oh, yeah, that's just John, mm-hmm. because they had seen it progress over the years. Mm-hmm. But somebody who dropped in late in that progression, they... Yeah. They just didn't understand what was happening.
0: Yeah, Joe Miller said the. I mean, he didn't say it exactly that way, but he he talked about this really out of body moment he had going somewhere in the West, like mm-hmm. for a like a birthday, John's fiftieth or something. I was and out he, by then. Well, and yeah, he said it was just. He said it was really. Um, he said he said he just couldn't understand it. What he was taking in was so different than what he had been experiencing mm-hmm. before. Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So when they picked you out what would you do what happened well I
1: honestly should have left a couple years before but I had this studio Mm -hmm. and what do I do because a studio is a big ship and how do I turn it around and by the time I got I left you I'd, I'd stopped really using loops and spirals I was now had integrated enough into me that I could use the details and explain them well enough but the studio most of our teachers were involved, but we had a couple that were certified or up for certification. And so when I was asked to resign, um, I told my upper level classes and most of them kind of blinked at me and said, OK, what chant are we going to do at the beginning of class? And after that, they didn't care.
0: Right. So, right. Exactly. Because yeah. they care about you. Yeah. They, oh, care they about your classes.
1: Yeah. And they cared about how the studio was going, because I think and that's true for a lot of students, they don't care what style it is. They want their classes. Yeah. They want their teachers. They want they want to see what they're used to seeing. something new from them
0: yeah which really makes me think about where we are right now Mm -hmm. you know how we keep offering service to the students who in some ways most of all you know Lois Steinberg said um, once she's this you know senior Iyengar teacher Mm -hmm. and she said students come to class to get absorbed to be absorbed and it was just a beautiful way of saying it and she was just saying that's what they want you know so your job is to be absorptive but you, the, way to, the only way you can do that, this is me riffing now, the only way you can do that is to be authentic and be you and be like uninterrupted you, you know, without any of these, well, you know, chitavritis, uh, <laughs> you know, interrupting you as you're, as you're teaching, which it sounds like John Fran has a pretty enormous chitavritis kind of <laughs> taking him down in the end. Um, and so that your students didn't care, they were so glad that you were still there and, you know, and they wanted to know what, you know, you were going to do for the class, which is why they're there to be taught. Mm -hmm. And so what happened after that?
1: Really nothing. Yeah. Um, I, we just kept going and I just kind of called us, I took, I changed my bio, took Anya Saur out, so I taught alignment based yoga and that was pretty much that the two teachers who were Aiming for certification, uh, decide over time to leave the studio, and we've just kept on. It, yeah, it really wasn't that big a wave for us. I think it was more traumatic for me uh, than for anybody else.
0: I'm sure internally, yeah. of course. But see, as the as the as the great business owner that you are, you know, you just soldier on and keep offering the classes. And it sounds to me, or I just want to repeat, what. I hear is a very important point you're making, which is the students don't care. They just want their experience and what their classes, they wanna be connected. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, so after that, you said you had, there were some blips, some economic blips, but things have been steady since 2012. Like what's happening in your practice now? What's happening with your teachers at the studio? What's happening at the studio? health advantage yoga and rest in there's competition or how are you know but your seems like you're weathering that just fine if things have been pretty steady since 2012
1: yeah we we just keep going on we've had students that have been with us since betsy has been there so over 20 years uh love seeing who we're seeing uh we do a teacher training program every other year uh that's we we just kind of keep on and every year it gets a little deeper a little richer uh, as a teacher I see more and can teach more uh, I learn more from my practice it, it really goes well
0: that yeah, and, and and you know and I and I know this about you because you know we I, I feel so fortunate to still be hanging out with it's you fun. guys I know once a quarter even though it'll be a funny little zoom thing that we do on Wednesday Um you travel a lot, you do these volunteer things, and I can't imagine that, that serve, these service projects that you do around the world don't also influence you know, what you do at the studio. Do you wanna talk a little bit about that? Sure,
1: um, I used to love to do volunteer work, but I can't really do that and run the studio. If somebody gets sick, if the air conditioner breaks, I've gotta be there. So there's nothing else I can do with that. And so I finally figured out that if I wanted to volunteer, I could go overseas. And so I've signed up through a couple volunteer organizations, and I take two or three weeks and go. So I've been to Sri Lanka, Vietnam, South Africa, and this last year was Costa Rica. And it's ranged from working in a soup kitchen to working in an IT lab. Uh, in South Africa, I was supposed to work in a uh, in a clinic and teach yoga uh, and help see if it helped people's blood pressure and diabetes. Unfortunately, they lost power to the clinic, and so I ended up te- redoing a lot of their Excel spreadsheets. But oh my gosh, <laughs> it, that's so wild! Well, you know,
0: Jane of all trades. <laughs> there we go.
1: So uh, that and th- it gets me out of everyday life. So it lets me take a step back, almost like that trip down the Grand Canyon, and. St- reassess where everything is and also it lets me give something back to the world because it's awfully hard to do karma yoga and run business and do the practice and everything else so that's the way i can do karma yoga at some point during the year
0: yeah to pull yourself out and really it sounds to me i mean i don't know it really does sound to me based on the you know the description of your yoga story and yoga life that you really do get absorbed Like in what you're doing. And so it sounds like an interesting thing. You pull yourself away for three weeks and you know the studio is going to run. You know you can trust, you know, your people there to keep the lights on, the teachers showing up. Because as we all know, the teachers are the backbone of the business. Of course. You know. And so in terms of your own practice and... You know, running the business—have you found it? Have you found? Do you have, feel like you have a formula now to like manage, keep the stress at a minimum, or you know, keep the stresses of the business of yoga relative to the you know growth and interest that you still have in your personal practice? Uh, to well, I would, uh, the practice
1: brings me back every day, and some days it's practicing for my classes. But the cl- practice is a time every day that I can—it's my time it's that one hour a day that is my time and I try not to let it get interrupted though some days they are but the studio now it, we have a formula it seems to be working and of course who knows where we're going to go now but for right now I've got an excellent staff I've got excellent teachers that I can depend on and it's never been better. It's never
0: been better. That's yeah. amazing. I'm yeah. so glad to hear that. Yeah. So do you have any, any insights, any tips for us from your practice or from, uh, you know, what you're learning these days? What are you teaching these days? We should, you know, close out with like what, you know, what, what you, what's the, what's the most interesting thing you've taught in the last week? Uh,
1: let's see i have this class on tuesdays at noon and every week they come in we do a class and then they request what they want to do for the next week oh cool and so they're forcing me to continue to learn which is wonderful and the last the one class they wanted last week was working with the it band and how uh and so i can delve into the muscles and the bones and how the body works with that and then this next week they've wanted to work with abdominals and breathing with the abdominals and Mm. so there's always something new and rich to play with. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about yoga is there's always something new. Because I've always seen the, they talk about meditation and there's always this, this scene separation versus the philosophy versus the body. Right. And for me, in math, there's always, there's proofs in math. And proofs are beautiful and they're elegance and in some ways they're cleanness. And the body can be the same way. There's an elegance to how the body moves. And even if the body is not moving as well as some of us likes, there's an elegance in that. And also seeing where something may move better and focusing on that and seeing the elegance, enjoying the elegance and having the one pointed focus to try to create that elegance for me is just the most beautiful thing.
0: Oh, I love that and <laughs> totally agree. That was Thanks. such a Great way to stop. It's so funny when you do these podcasts, you never know how they're going to go, but that yes. was a great way to stop. And... Um... Thank you so much for coming in. And, you know, we'll hear more on the Anusara sort of saga and story with Doug Keller on Wednesday. And um, this podcast will be available in the next couple of weeks. I'm not quite sure exactly when Chris will put it up. But thanks again for coming in to the DC Yoga Podcast. Susan Van Nys, owner of Health Advantage Yoga Center, longtime yoga practitioner, one-time karate practitioner, (laughs) and a woman clearly of elegance. Thank Thank you you. so much.
1: Thank you for inviting me, i enjoyed this. Oh,
0: so much. <laughs>